Sometimes having a career and a life, it's like the Wild West, right? There's so many options. There's so many ways you can go about it. Everyone's got an opinion about it, but you're the sheriff, right? You are the sheriff in the parts of the way you're living your life. You get some say in how things are going down. And so in every area where you do get input, we want to make sure that your influence, your ideas, and what matters to you are paramount. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Well, welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. It's your gal, Carly. And hey, if you're joining us for the first time today, welcome. <laughs> welcome you with open arms. You turned in for what might be a really good first episode, actually. Now, as we're recording this episode, it is the first week of the new year. And I am just seeing meme after meme after email about all the planning and all the ways to reinvent yourself and have resolutions in the new year. And if you've been listening to the last couple episodes, then you've heard me mention that January is the worst time of year for beginning things anew, um, specifically in the Northern Hemisphere or any place where the days are dark right now. And I mean that either literally as in if you're having shorter days in the Northern Hemisphere or figuratively in that we're navigating some uncharted territory. Now is not necessarily the moment to go hard. It's not necessarily the moment to push through. And yes, there will always be the occasional moments where we have to push through. But if you're feeling like you need to rest or if you need to just culminate or marinate on everything that's already occurred recently, I just want to point out that you don't have to reinvent yourself right now. You're not messing everything up. You, like me and all of my clients, we are works in progress. And we get a whole lifetime for as long as that is to be a work in progress. That's the deal. (laughs) Nobody has it all figured out. But I will say this, the people that have figured out a number of things, they share one specific personality and trait in common. They have more joy. I watch them lean into play and to see things as an experiment, to see their life and their work and their relationship as these ways of doing these little experiments of trying on ideas or projects or tasks or heck, clothes, like you would try on a new hat and just seeing how it lands. We stop taking everything so seriously. And I want to give you an example of this. One of the women on our Council of Boundary Makers, which is the group of women that have come together to test run our Boundary Academy that launches later this year, her name is Meredith. Now, Meredith is a wonderful professional experimenter, but she's not a scientist, right? She doesn't work in a lab. She was a clinical social worker turned sports psychologist, and she was a really good rule follower. She hired great coaches. She took great courses. She learned all the right things to do to run her business and her business was doing fine. But she had a hunch that the way she was working could feel less like a prescription or like a set of rules that she had to squeeze herself into and keep things perfect and something more playful and creative. But 
she didn't want to mess up what was already working well. And so when we started working together, she came to me with this real curiosity around, you know, Carly, where can I afford to think outside the box? Where can I afford to take some risks or try some things differently, even if they're not the best practices that everybody else is doing? And where do I need to adhere to things that have been proven to work before? And so as we started to work together, she talked more and more about stopping viewing each of her decisions as a pass-fail test, right, or a win-lose scenario, and rather to begin to see the way she worked in the world as one long, gritty, and graceful ride, right, where things could be a lot more fun. And she found that new possibilities started cropping up. Things she didn't even see in front of her before now became opportunities for her professionally. So rather than trying to do it all and being on top of not just doing it all, but doing it all perfectly, Meredith realized she could just get clear about what she values and create these small experiments to focus on that in her career. And it has given her this renewed sense of self and clarity and joy and empowerment. And I just want to be super honest here. It's not like Meredith has become some super guru that has all the answers now. But when there are choices to make or unknowns to contend with, she commented recently to me that she can be totally at peace with that. She just does the next small experiment. Actually, she does the entire system we've been talking about for the past couple of episodes. So I don't know if you've caught this, but this is actually the third in a three-part little series here as I outline what we call our professional PPE. When I say professional PPE, I'm talking about the system that myself and my clients have been using for well over a decade that allows us to be both sturdy professionally and nimble. This is how we're able to stay solid and continue to grow as a business or within our careers and our health and relationships while still being malleable, by still being able to adapt to what's happening right before us. So that PPE, again, it stands for pause, plan, and experiment. And if you didn't hear episode 60 on daring to pause before you plan, I highly recommend that you go back to that after you hear this episode or episode 61 on the art of subtracting. That is how we make sure that there's plenty of time for what it is that you care about. Today, we're going to talk about one way that you can begin to experiment. So if you run your own business Or if you just want to be using your time really efficiently and know that you're getting a good return on the investment of your energy or your resources, and know that even if 2021 has some twists and some turns that you're still going to do really well, well, then this is the episode for you, especially if you found that having work-life balance is a tricky thing to land on. Because as it turns out, this whole work-life balance notion, I know it sells a lot of self-help books. (laughs) I know that in the coaching industry, it sells a lot of workshops and seminars. My experience is that it is not about work-life balance. That's why that concept is so elusive and it's so tricky. It's actually about something else entirely. It's about work-life connection. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about that today. So here's what we're going to cover as we go over this third part, this experimenting part. We're going to talk about the Pareto principle, which sometimes we refer to that as the 80-20 rule in the business world. We're going to clear about 80% of the busy work that's on your plate off. I am not being grandiose. I am being very literal. We're going to start to distill down 
to what is the 20% of the tasks that you're doing that are bringing you the best results and how can you begin to let go of the rest so that you have plenty of time, the ups, downs, turns, lefts and rights, or hopefully the things you really enjoy in this new phase. So specifically, what we're going to do here is I'll introduce this Pareto principle. Then I'm going to guide you through a quick assessment to see if you're using your time effectively or not. This is a quick and dirty, real fun thing we can just do live together. And then I'm going to give you a tool to use as an experiment for this next phase to help you reclaim your time and energy and clear off all that busy work so that just like Meredith, you can know where you need to show up and where you can afford to let things go or do them in a different way. So before I get started here, I want to pause and I want to give a very special shout out today. Today, my shout out is going with my whole heart to my grandmother, Teresa Van Cedars. My grandmother, Teresa, is my last living grandparent. She is in her mid-90s and likely in her last days as she navigates a battle with COVID. And for everybody out there whose life has taken some wonky turns because of COVID, whether it was for you personally or those you know or care about or the way it's affected the region of the world that you live in, I just want to acknowledge why this work that we're doing together is so important. You know, it's this 20% rule that we're about to cover today that I began doing about five years ago when my former fiance passed away. That was my saving grace because there was no way that I was going to be able to show up for my work with my full 100% gusto. And I was terrified that things would fall apart. And maybe you've heard that episode. I will put a link to it in the show notes in case you're interested on in exactly what happened there. But what I want to emphasize today is that The work you and I do together, it's really, really important because it allows us to be whole beings. I am able to hold the tenderness of navigating the loss of a loved one and show up for my work at the same time because I'm not splitting myself between my work self and my personal life self or my granddaughter self and my family self and my boss self and my leader self. You, like me, are one whole being. And all of it is happening in real time. And by golly, how much has happened for all of us in the past year is beyond anything we could have imagined. And so it's with great love that I share with you the name of my grandmother, Teresa Van Cedars. She has been a pioneer. She is wildly courageous. She's a Polish-American, incredibly feisty and hearty and totally independent. She did things on her own when nobody else was doing that. You could never lock her down. She could never be tamed. She knew how to break the right rules, as John Lewis would say. And so for those of us who are willing to have this conversation today, I just cherish you because you're a rule breaker in a world that expects us all to just do more, more, more all the time. You do have to be willing to break some of those outdated conventional rules so that we can actually clear some busy work off your plate. So for that, I really celebrate you. We are in good company here together. And hey, sometime I would love to hear about the women that have come before you or the women that you currently have in your life and the ways that they inspire you. We rise so well together. Tell me on social media about your grandma and the lessons she has taught you sometime. Because I bet in one way or another, you embody those lessons in your work and beyond. 
So you want more free time, some space to think. You know, everything would be so much easier if you just had a little more wiggle room in your days. By golly, I hear ya. So let's talk about my favorite B word for a second, boundaries. 14 years of coaching has shown me that there is a direct correlation for women between how much time and energy you have to get to the things you really care about and the types of boundaries you're setting. But nobody has taught us to set boundaries in a way that feels good. And that's why this episode is brought to you by the Boundary Academy. This is my forthcoming at-home study course that's going to give you both the tools and the community support to make having boundaries both doable and downright enjoyable. I'll make sure to let you know when it's available. So get on the list by heading over to carlyfane.com and get totally free access to the mini Boundaries Like a Boss course. There is nothing for sale in this 45-minute program that outlines the three essential mindsets that women with boundaries know. And it comes with a step-by-step guidebook that will allow you to have the script to upgrade your boundaries on the spot, even when people push back on them. You know that hunch you've had for a long time that you're meant to do something meaningful in the world? It's right. Let's make sure that you get to do just that. Okay, let's dive in here together. So once upon a time, there was a man named Vilfredo Pareto. Now, this sounds like a once upon a time fairy tale story, but Vilfredo Pareto was an Italian economist and he was credited with giving voice to what we now call the Pareto Principle. This was back in 1897. So this is not a new concept, what I'm about to bring forth for you. But the story in its origins was that Pareto, in his spare time, he loved a garden, and he began to observe that about 80% of the peas in his garden were coming from only 20% of his pea plants, that there would just be certain plants that no matter how well intended he was, they just wouldn't make it, they would struggle, they would only produce a little bit, but there would be others, in fact, the minority of plants who would thrive and have all of this output. And so we just started to observe this again and again in different ways of nature. And as an economist, it didn't take very long for him to realize that he was watching the same thing, this 80-20 phenomenon happening in the world of economy. Specifically, he was observing that about 80% of the land in England and every single country that he subsequently observed was owned by about 20% of the population. And Pareto's theory of this predictable imbalance, it's since been applied to many aspects of modern life. Let me give you an example of this. So we take the botany example from Pareto, right, where 80% of the peas in his garden were coming from 20% of his pea plants. We notice that in the coaching industry, it's incredibly common for 20% of an individual practitioner's clients to bring them 80% of their revenue, meaning that there will be specific clients who love the work who just come back again and again and again. And so that even though they're a smaller percentage of the practice, they're actually where the bulk of the income is coming from. We also notice that in many studies, about 80% of customer complaints come from only 20% of the customers, right? So there are the people who are just never going to be satisfied or they're the ones who are running up against legitimate glitches and are giving voice to it. So we see this all across the spectrum. We see this in the world of physics. We see this in the world of medicine and in the world of business. And there's a really good chance that for you, like many of us, 
80% of the work you're doing is only leading to 20% of the results you're after. And the flip side of that, which is that 20% of the effort or work or resources that you're putting into something is actually what's leading to 80% or the vast majority of the good results you are after, which means that if we can get really clear on what that 20% is that's working for you and just focus on that, that is how we can start to clear a lot of things off your plate. And this is just a really excellent tool, a quick process to make sure that you're working in a way that gives you both professional and financial success and plenty of time abundance. So in a moment, I'm going to go over some quick signs here for you to tell if you're accidentally doing the 80% of the busy work or if you're already living really well into the 20% of work that's giving you a good return on the investment of your time. But first, I want to make an important distinction. Currently, as of today, about 20% of the world's population controls about 82.7% of the world's wealth. This is pretty typical, right? And as we say the 80-20 rule, it's not always exactly 80% and 20%, but it's kind of the rough idea. And I know that when I first learned about this Pareto principle, this 80-20 rule, there was no conversation when I was in business school, given about the fact that while it's common for there to be an 80-20 split in resources, that there are also other causes and effects when it comes to human beings that need to be tended to. So when it comes to people who have or don't have access to resources like money or food or land or medical attention or education and other opportunities, there's a lot more at play than just a simple principle here. There are social injustices There are inequities, there's systemic racism, misogyny, colonization. These things cause imbalances. And so in this way, I just want to point out that we're going to be talking about the way you're spending your time during the day, what it looks like for you. But I don't want us to take this concept and how it works in our careers and our personal lives and accept it as a blanket statement for deciding that it's okay that there's imbalances. When it comes to human beings, We have a social responsibility with our careers and our lives to make sure that all people have equal access to resources, which is all the more reason why I want you, a good person, (laughs) only good people listen to the Messy Magnificent podcast, to have all the resources you can, all the prosperity and success that you can, because I know that you do good things in the world with it. So here are some signs that maybe you've been doing a little bit more of the 80%. That's only leading to 20% of the results. So indication number one is that you're feeling chronically resentful of certain people or certain projects. Another sign that you're doing more of the busy work and less of the really important work is that you have things on your plate each week that take you way longer than you would like because while you can do them, they actually aren't your forte. They're not your skill set or your passion. Another sign that you're falling into that 80% work category is that you have multiple things each day or each week that feel urgent and a sense of urgency and chronically having a lot on your plate is the norm. Or maybe you're feeling robotic, meaning that certain tasks are beginning to feel like you're just going through the motions because you don't really feel inspired or invested in them. And then one last little sign that might be an indicator that you're doing the 80% style of work is that you have to have master level time management skills 
You have binders, notebooks, dings, reminders. You use apps on your phone and they're cropping up many times a day to make sure that you stay on track or you always feel like you need to be learning a new time management system so that nothing falls through the cracks. You might have heard me mention in the last episode that we only need really detailed time management systems when we're trying to squeeze more into our days than is reasonable. And so this might be a really good indicator that, oops, you're accidentally doing more work than actually needs to happen to get the results that you're after. So on the flip side here, let's look at this 20% category. This is the work that gives you really great results. Some indicators that you might be focusing on the 20% of the work that's going to lead to your best return on investment is you're feeling inspired or engaged or you're enjoying the work that you're doing or what you're working on is helping you advance in your overall life, meaning gives you more of the types of experiences that you want to have in your life. So sure. There may still be some tasks that you don't fully dig, that you don't fully enjoy, but you see how they're connected to the larger view of what you care about. So it's worth it. Meaning maybe you don't love checking your email inbox, but when you check those emails, then you get to hear from people you can't wait to work with, right? So while email might not be your favorite jam, you know that making those connections feels really good and it leads to your ultimate goals. Another sign that you're doing the 20% of really great work is that you're asking for help or you're delegating things out, or you're saying no to things on a regular basis. And then finally, one great indicator that you're doing the 20% of work that's giving you the best return is that you have regular pockets of joy or a sense of grace. Like everything is working. You still have projects to finish. You still have goals that you're living into but you're also able to enjoy the present moment or at least plenty of moments on a regular basis. In other words, being stressed out or feeling behind is a rare occurrence rather than the norm. And yes, that is a possibility. (laughs) I know that we have normalized culturally the idea of being stressed out as if it's just the way things are. That is not necessarily the case for everyone, nor is it the way it has to be for everyone. And so for as many of us that can live and work in a way that is life-giving, I want to make sure that you can. So as you notice, these two areas that I just pointed out, right, maybe the signs of being in the 80% category and the signs of being in the 20% category, which one of these two spots are you noticing you're matching up with more? I want you to just notice ideally free from judgment. Judgment does nothing to help here. You're just taking stock of, oh, hey, I'm doing a great job. I'm doing some 20% things. Or, ooh, I'm noticing I'm doing a lot of 80% things. I'm going to think about that for a moment. All right here. So we've done our kind of off-the-cuff assessment here. Now let's get into the nitty-gritty about how we address this. We're going to get specific here. I want you to pick one metric that you value and ideally get out a blank piece of paper. I mean, really give yourself the respect and the courtesy of doing this exercise. This one simple piece of paper, I'm not joking when I say it has brought in hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue for me and saved me countless hours of work, including a ton of stress. I can't recommend it enough. So when I say I want you to pick one metric that you value, Oftentimes in businesses, we look at income, right, or revenue or profits as a specific quantifiable metric. That's a great one. If you work for yourself, I recommend doing this process with income. 
But you could also do this with any number of things. So if you don't work for yourself, you could just write the word professional highlights down. And this is where you're just going to list all of the things that have been standout highlights in the last year, moments you felt really proud of or things that you thought went really well. You could pick any number of things here by which you're going to gauge a metric, meaning you're looking at your version of success and how it went this year. And that's exactly what you're going to do. So after you title this section, whether it's professional highlights or financial wins, then you're going to begin to list all of those things, right? Where did that come from? So if you're using income as your metric, for example, my company has three revenue streams. We bring money in from working one-on-one with private clients. We bring revenue in from corporate coaching clients. And we bring revenue in from teaching online courses and workshops. So those are the three things. It's pretty straightforward to see them down on a list. If you wrote down your professional highlights, it could look like any number of things. You might write down, hey, I nailed that presentation, or I really enjoyed working with this new group, or I went to this job interview and it actually went pretty well, or I enjoyed learning about this new area that I might be focusing on in my job. Whatever it is, you're going to write down all of the wins that you've had related to that specific metric. So now you've got two columns, right? You've got all the tasks that you're doing on a regular basis on the left-hand side. And on the right-hand side, you've got your wins, whether they are financial or otherwise. And this is where we start to do that connection that I was talking about earlier. You're going to start to draw lines from each of these tasks to the places that they have led to on the right side, meaning For example, if we're looking at income as the metric here, anything that has led to significant income, any of the tasks that we've done that have led to significant income, we're going to draw a line from them to the income they brought in. Here's an example of that. That was actually a big surprise to me a few years ago when we did this assessment. I was getting really kind of worn out by social media presence and I was debating whether or not we needed to be on there at all. But when I sat down to look at the tasks, I noticed that our social media presence had brought us in about $40,000 in new clients in 2018. And I thought, well, that's nothing to like skip. (laughs) That's something worth acknowledging. Maybe there's something here in this whole social media thing. And so we revamped it so that it was more doable, right? But sometimes the connections are surprising. So just take a beat and draw lines from each of the tasks you're doing to the wins that they have resulted in you're going to notice that likely there are not lines from every task to a win. In fact, that is exactly why we're doing this exercise. There will be certain tasks that you are going to notice that you are doing on a habitual basis that are not necessarily leading to any significant wins. Because wins aren't just financial, in case you're not using the financial metric, I want to give you an example of another one. I noticed and I did this exercise a couple of years ago that My connection with one particular colleague had led to three really great professional introductions. Each one of those ended up being a big speaking event. And what's really interesting and kind of funny about that was this colleague is just so easy for me to talk to. It's just so natural. She's such a delight. I enjoy her so much. I was being really slow to respond to her during my work days because I didn't see consciously the direct professional benefit. I would put it off and get to her after work hours when it really could have and should have been a main part of my work day. 
because there were so many great wins happening from this connection. And on the flip side, there were plenty of people that I was talking to on a regular basis that were not leading to professional wins. And so those were going to need to come outside of work if they were going to happen at all. So it's just a great clarifier. There's something really powerful about getting some objectivity, seeing things on paper that will give us some fresh and new perspective. So if you're in a place right now where you can pause this episode and live into it on a piece of paper, I highly recommend it. But for right now, here in this moment, as we're processing this together, I'm curious to hear from you. Is there one thing that you're noticing you do on a repetitive basis that isn't actually leading to great results? What might that be? And how might you delegate that or modify it or stop doing it all together? So to take our social media thing, for example, we just decided rather than posting, we were doing one post a day at that, during that particular year. We were going to go down to doing a whole lot less than that and just see what happened. <laughs> and I also ended up, rather than me scheduling the posts while I still needed to write them, I didn't have to do the manual work of scheduling and formatting them so they looked good. Somebody else could do that. So there was a little modification, a little delegation, and we were able to keep having a social media present in a much more streamlined way without letting it go. Because as it turned out, that was actually something that brought in a significant chunk of change. We wanted to keep doing that. So you don't have to start with the hardest thing on the list. If you're looking at something and you're thinking, okay, this led to nothing, (laughs) no big wins but I don't know how I would go without it. I would feel like things are totally falling apart without it or I'm worried there'd be major consequences. Don't start with that one. I want you to pick the low-hanging fruit here. Pick one thing that is simple and doable. And then once you've figured out how to get rid of that one, then you move on to the next one. One thing at a time. On the flip side, I'm curious to hear from you, what's one thing that you realize is really paying off? Where is there something that you're doing that falls into the 20% of tasks that give you great return on the investment? I want you to tell me about that on iTunes. I want to hear about what your metric for success is and how you're going to continue to live into that one item on your 20% list in this new year. Plus, I'll be able to give you a shout out on a future episode, which I would love. So remember, we're keeping it simple here. You're picking one thing from each category. What is one item that's not giving me great return that falls into my 80% of busy work that I might let go of or do differently this year? And what's one thing that's doing so great that I'm just going to keep right on doing it? If it's already working perfectly, you don't need to change a thing. Or maybe you ever so gently turn the flame up on that one thing and watch the results really increase. Because the good news here is that we don't have to go 100% on this experiment. (laughs) That's the whole point. Every one degree of improvement adds up really quickly here. There's not a one-to-one ratio here. We're looking at an 80 to 20 ratio, meaning a small improvement in the right area will lead to profound results. And I'll just add in that this is just another opportunity for you to determine the metric that you are going to use to decide what success looks like this year. Sometimes having a career and a life, it's like the Wild West, right? There's so many options. There's so many ways you can go about it. Everyone's got an opinion about it, but you're the sheriff, right? You are the sheriff in the parts of the way you're living your life. You get some say in how things are going down. And so in every area where you do get input, we want to make sure that your influence, your ideas, and what matters to you are paramount. 
So maybe your metric for success is going to be quality time with your family. Heck, maybe it's alone time away from your family. Maybe it is a financial number or it's the amount of free hours or free days that you want to have this year. Or will you measure success in the number of books you read or hours you volunteer or the amount of conferences you attend or the amount of times you say no to things? You pick. Pick one. It's plenty. What we are clearly aware here in this 80-20 principle is that small numbers equal big results. Remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep prioritizing what you value, especially the 20% that gives you the most return. And I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else. 